So hi folks, Dave here. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 250,000 to choose from. It's a 30 day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice, if you're gonna try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Back to the show. You are listening to Tech Talks with David Savage. And Jack Pierce. The tech podcast published every Monday and Thursday for the love of tech. Coming up on today's show, we are joined by Hayley Sudbury. She is the CEO and founder of Workin. And then myself and Jack are going to be having a chat about Google Plus after it shut down and Google's failure to disclose a breach in user data. Good afternoon, Jack. Good afternoon. How is your week going? Uh, it's manic at the moment, but yeah, it's uh, it's been good. It's been a good week. I mean, I mean, I must be in the minority to think I'm I'm ready for it to start getting cold again now. Yeah. Like I'm walking into work with a jacket and jumper on because it's cold. By lunchtime, I'm down to a vest. You know. It's... I I would say I would hope you're in the minority. I I am enjoying yeah. the Indian summer field. Well, of course you are because you grew up in Newcastle. Where it doesn't reach over 12 degrees Celsius all year oh, round. Oh yeah, this is balmy for me. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> um, do you know that today is World Mental Health Day? I did know that. Yeah, uh, plenty of my Instagram feed is is made up encouragingly so of people you know talking about it and encouraging people to talk to them. And... I can't remember the exact stat, but it is alarming just how many young men take their life. Um, uh, I think it was quite interesting. I was having a chat about this with a company called BioBeats who are coming on the show in a few weeks yesterday. Um, and they were saying that, you know, in the States, it's a little bit better. Like mm. men in the States are allowed to show vulnerability possibly a little bit more oh. um, than they are in the UK. And absolutely there are some European countries where it's worse than the UK. Yeah. But obviously we've got that whole like stiff upper lip thing. Yeah. And that there's a lot of men who don't like to show that vulnerability yeah. until it explodes until it's too late until it's too late um so i think you know whilst we normally joke around at the beginning of the show if you are male or female or anyone you know anyone for that matter who is struggling with mental health don't bottle don't bottle it up go talk talk to to people yeah i mean i had a friend who who was going through a bit of a bit of a rough time a couple of years ago and he said the best and healthiest thing he's ever done for himself was speak to someone once a week yeah so anyway, that's World Mental Health Today. We are recording uh, on Wednesday, so this is going out Thursday, so it was yesterday, as you may or may, well, it depends when you're listening, but... Uh, they won't be listening on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the past, but it's significant and it's relevant and absolutely let's encourage people not to think that it's a weakness uh, to talk about mental health um, just because you can't see that you aren't well doesn't mean that there should be any extra stigma attached to it than breaking your leg. Absolutely. Right. Anyway, from that message to Hayley, uh, who is going to be talking all about uh, diversifying the talent pipeline and helping people progress through organisations. So we're joined by Hayley from Working. Thank you for giving up some time to, to talk to us. Thank you. And you are CEO and founder? Yes, I am. How long has Working been around? 
So we actually spun working out of another technology company mm. my co-founder and I built about four years ago. And what is it? If anyone's not familiar with Workin, it'd be good to just make sure that people have a point of reference. Sure. So Workin is a technology company. Our focus is really to help organizations change who they see and I guess what they do. And we do that predominantly through tech-enabled mentoring and sponsorship programs. And when you say who who they see, we're, we're talking about trying to create a more diverse workforce. Right? Absolutely. I mean, you could very much put us in the position of diversity tech, although we do help broadly companies retain talent as well. So we are a, a talent HR play as well. However, we care deeply about helping organisations change the mix of who is in the, the talent pipeline. And do you find... Just kind of exploring that a little bit more deeply. You, you talk about that there is a retention element. Is it mainly fixing their, su their supply of staff coming into an organisation and making sure that pool of people is right? Or is it a cultural piece internally that then the outcome of which is they have a better process of, of kind of finding a diverse workforce? That is an excellent question. Um, we do not touch recruitment at all. We think right. there's a lot of fantastic disruption going on in the industry that is addressing that, particularly around stripping bias out of that process. Mm -hmm. We very much focus on what happens to someone's journey inside the organisation mm -hmm. once they're hired. And if we look at what's happening right now in the UK with gender pay gap, the reason why we have such an issue, particularly in the top half of organisations, isn't because there's an equal pay issue. It's because women are not staying and moving up into those senior levels and actually getting those, those higher salaries. And that is why we have a gap as we know it. It's, it's a really complex area, right? Everyone's suddenly become a lot more aware of how they're perceived because of the reports that have been published. I was talking to one organisation, a very large organisation recently, who hadn't become uh, accredited because they were actually worried about what those results would, would say about the business. So what kind, of, what kind of people do come to you saying, look, we want to work and change this? Because... Obviously, very senior stakeholders are going to be kind of worried about the perception of their business. Is there a particular part of C-suite that you tend to talk to? Or there, is, it, is it actually middle managers who have, have a particular passion about this and want to inform people above them? Who do you engage with to, to start to make the change? I mean, we usually start at some pretty senior levels and organisations. And, and to be honest, our experience to date has really been when the CEO cares and cares about making a difference. And... Um, unless there's that driving force from the top to do things differently, rarely does change happen. Now, mm. we do believe this has happened, you know, top down, bottom up, so you hit the whole organisation, but you really do need a leadership team at the top that says, we're going to do something, and we're not just going to do something, we're going to start to do things differently because we know there's some issues. We've now got some transparency around this data, and it's not about doing the same things and expecting different results. It's about mm. being quite objective about how we start to address what is this very real issue? Um, certainly what we've seen as well is companies seeing that actually maybe revenues are going to be impacted as well because there might be consumer fallout. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, what, what's the driver behind? When you say someone really cares, what is the driver behind that? Because a company's not going to do something just because of goodwill. A company ultimately is holding to shareholders, etc. Well, I think there's two major issues. So there's been some indicative research uh, that's been launched that that's pointing to graduates now looking at these organizations and their gender pay gaps around choosing who they want to work for so mm -hmm. you know a lot of companies I don't want to call out anyone specifically have always spoken quite 
proudly about you know their graduate recruitment being 50-50 mm. um, on, on gender. I think what you're now seeing is graduates going, well, actually, and particularly young female graduates, if I can't progress to senior levels in this firm and earn the same as my male peers, why should I bother? And that, that is certainly what we're starting to hear and see. I think we won't see the full effects of that until the, sort of the next couple of years and those numbers start to change at those entry levels and, and companies talking about it. The other thing is, on the back of the Me Too movement, I guess there's sort of a heightened consciousness and awareness around what is the right thing to do and, and what is actually happening. And I think companies are feeling that society pressure, largely because you know, certainly indications are pointing to that there could be real consumer pushback. So, for example, if you had horrific gender pay gap numbers mm. and those numbers didn't change or you couldn't talk about what you were doing to address them proactively as a company, you will start to see your consumers vote with their, you know, their actual dollars and, and leave those organisations. And I think that is something we'll also start to see um, next year when the next lot of uh, reporting comes out and, and the year after. And companies are aware of that, which is why we, we're starting to see the shift of you know, companies starting to engage us directly as well mm. to help them you know, address some of these issues internally. Now, you talk about the fact that you're trying to create um, visibility for these people when they're mm. working in the organisation. What tend to be the main barriers to visibility? I mean, surely organisations can see who's in their workforce, can see who's adding value. Why is that not happening? Why are people not progressing through? Why, why are women and, and people of other di diversity, uh, or minority groups rather, why are they not progressing through to senior and exec level roles? Well, I mean, there's a couple of issues. I mean, in large organisations, it's hard to see everybody anyway. A mix of kind of large campuses spread across the country, spread mm. across the globe. They're just the reality of, of being part of a large organisation. Then on a sort of a, a more human level, we do have our own um, natural biases around who we see, you know, the younger, better looking version of ourselves and, and wanting to support those. And if, mm -hmm. if an organisation is slightly skewed in one way, um, as a lot of the corporates are, unfortunately, we have, you know, large groups of those organisations supporting, you know, people that look and, and feel like them. So, you know, it's about looking at ways we can help change, you know, change who they see and their relationship to those individuals simply by making them more visible with technology and actually because they don't necessarily sit next to them or they're not in their, their direct um, you know, reporting line. So that's, that's how we're looking at technology to sort mm. of change the, the visibility piece. And how does that tech work? Is it a collaboration tool? Is it using some kind of machine learning or augmentation in some way to get people to think differently? Because one of the benefits of, of certainly machine learning seems to be that it creates relationships without you having to necessarily ask it a question. It will just start to link point C to E and you go, oh, hang on a minute, there's a relationship there. And I suppose some of that could be applied to something like this, right? Yes, and we certainly have elements of that built into the work and technology. However, a simple way I like to explain it is to talk about the idea of augmented intelligence. Mm. So how do you help someone you know, see and do things differently? That's not about replacing what they have to do, which is where the idea of artificial intelligence usually comes into its own. It's about actually helping them change behaviour. So I guess a really, a really simple example is um, if you were my sponsor in a large organisation and I was a, you know, a new um, computer science graduate who was joining your firm, mm -hmm. um, we don't work directly together but you are interested in supporting you know, young female talent because it's also part of your KPIs and your organisation is publicly committed to both well, the public, 
the internal employees and also shareholders that you're going to do something about it. Um, it's sort of like how do we make that commitment very, very real um, and easy for you to do as a very busy senior executive um, mm-hmm. in that organisation. So, for example, you might be based in the London office. I could be based in the Birmingham office. Birmingham office. When I come down to London, you'd get pinged that actually I was nearby and actually could you take me along to a meeting that you were hosting with your peer group Mm -hmm. so that I could improve my visibility um, at that level in the organization with your peers, not just you. And this is the idea of, you know, sponsoring a seat at the table for me as that junior, you know, female computer Mm -hmm. science graduate who is new to the firm. And the visibility piece is you didn't know who I was before that, but yet your KPIs are lined up for you to support it. The action piece is around giving you the prompt to say, could you take Haley to the meeting? and making that really easy for you to do that thing. And then if we wanted to add in the next level, um, we also integrate into your assistant, so your assistant can then pick up that commitment you've now said you will do and actually help schedule it through. So for us, we're looking at making the idea of supporting diverse talent really easy so you don't need to think about it, and then making sure all parts of the process um, are accounted for so that it actually does happen. And then we'll obviously close the loop and get some feedback around what that experience was like so we can understand you know, who, who are you as a manager in that organization and what sort of value are you delivering? Now, it stands to reason, and certainly listening to you there, that larger organizations would be very interested in this technology, not because of necessarily the, the kind of errors in the way that they're constructed, but they are just larger, so it's harder to see everyone in that but the, I suppose the, the lazy stereotype would to be assume the enterprise businesses have kind of got this wrong and the startups are going to get it right because they're all disruptive and they're liberal and whatever else. But is, the, is that true? Do you still see that actually startups and young tech organisations are growing and not, not thinking these, these issues through? I think there's diversity play for a startup is a certainly an interesting one and a challenging one. Um, there's a time factor around being under so much pressure to deliver something quickly mm-hmm. to get to market so you can be making money and survive. And there's also what sort of networks do you have and can you tap into to help you do that in a very smart way. I mean, certainly our experience has been, we know that we need to have a diverse team working on our product because we want to connect with you know diverse clients that are sitting inside larger organisations. And yeah. if we are going to be able to create a human-centered experience that engages the hearts and minds of these individuals, our tech team or our product team can't look a particular way. They need to be individuals that have different experiences that that identify in different ways so that they really can have a level of empathetic design, um, you know, built into the product. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we think a lot about, you know, making sure we don't have bias built in as well and we challenge that as a team so I mean that simply is a way most organizations and most startup organizations should be looking at building anyway because you know you you can't build something for different audiences without different people in your team actually bringing that different experience to the table so it is valuable I mean I, I think sometimes it takes sort of you know getting to sort of maybe five or ten people before companies are really starting to think about it. But that that first, you know, those first ten hires for you are are the key hires that are going to build, you know, the culture of the organization. And that's um, you know, essentially that's kind of your blueprint for where you're taking it. So it is really important to to get that right. One last quick point that would be interesting to to get your insight on. Before we hit record, you mentioned that increasingly 
you talk to a lot of senior level clients and they tell you that you know society is demanding change. There's been a lot of emphasis, particularly on the gender imbalance in, in the tech community, and people have said, whilst we're talking about it, there's very little action, there's very little results. Do you see a change coming in that regard? How, how do you see development in the industry over the next kind of six to 18 months? Never mind further beyond that, but the immediate future. I mean, I think in the UK, um, we've seen a lot of initiatives going on. So, you know, a recent one is the, the Tech Talent Charter, where you've got companies mm. now proactively signing up to this charter to say they're going to recruit and, you know, commit to a diverse experience inside the organisation in a particular way. And I think a few years ago that wouldn't have happened. So yeah. we need to look at that as absolutely a sign of progress and an appetite to do things differently. Is it happening consistently yet? Probably not. I mean, I think there's an opportunity for us to, to get this better. I mean, as we were also talking about earlier, you know, there is an issue with the number of, say, computer science graduates that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Actually, not just women, but actually the total number for the UK as we yeah, it's face... Falling at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, and as we face things like Brexit and knowing what we're going to be able to do around, um, you know, global and international talent. So, I mean, there are a number of challenges that I think the industry is facing. I absolutely think there's an appetite to do something um, different. I think until companies, though, are really measuring this stuff and communicating it at a very sort of, um, well, communicating it in a very tangible way, it, it doesn't change. So I think the first wave has very much been around, hey, look, there's awareness, the awareness of, look, there's a problem. The second wave is the commitment to, we're going to sign up to something, to actually say, hey, we're for you, we're going to do something about it. The third wave, which I think we're really starting to enter into, is companies looking at really tangible solutions and ways of doing things differently that can help shift the dial. I and mean, naturally, this is where I believe technology can help yeah, of course. these technology companies as well, because it, it helps us be better versions of ourselves. It helps us make different de decisions that we're not automatically doing because of our our known biases or our unconscious biases. And it then holds us to account around the real numbers. And at the end of the day, we know all the business cases point to, you know, the more diverse you are, the more money you make. So if anything, there should be kind of a, a shareholder commitment to say, actually, we're going to get this stuff right because we know we can be more profitable. I don't think we are quite there yet with kind of that belief kind of accepted by all, even though the numbers point to that. Mm. Um, however, I think we're at this interesting point where companies are now looking to turn what is a marketing message and commitment and the right things to do into very real action and looking at different ways to, to do that. And, you know, with our clients that are coming on board, that appetite is, is there and it is, we certainly have technology companies that we're working with to, to kind of help make that, that change as well. Look, Hayley, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for giving up some time. Pleasure. So, Jack, yeah. what did you think of this interview? Brilliantly poised. I mean, this is someone who's a founder of a company that's essentially fusing diversity and technology to improve the world we live in. <laughs> you know, in, in a horrible little nutshell, that's what it is. And, you know, that's fusing two of the things that we really like to talk about, technology mm. and diversity. So, I mean, some of the stuff she was mentioning was incredible. Um, it's not, I mean, this is a point that I've picked up and I'm already starting to write about in my work now. Like, change has to be driven, not just do, but do differently. Top down, fall out buyers in and all the rest of it it's like we know this stuff but 
it it needs it needs relaying over and over again. If your CEO or person in charge isn't embodying, uh, you know, a diverse nature point of view, diversity of thought, how is everyone else meant to fall in line? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it, she made a great point towards the end of the podcast that kind of echoed what she was talking about earlier on, where she said, you know, there should be shareholder commitment. Mm. It's about turning marketing messaging and commitment into action mm. and tech can, can help that yeah. change. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. It needs to come from the leadership team, but it can't just be the same stuff. Yep. Uh, really encouraging talking about things like um, revenues and consumer fallouts. Yeah. You know, uh, so as she says, a lot of traditional companies boast about 50-50 um, graduates hiring. Yeah. That's all very well and good. But then what happens post that? What happens What's to, retention like with those people? Or, yeah. or how are you going to progress through that organization? Just yeah. because they're hiring 50% men, 50% women. Yeah. Who ends up in the, in the top jobs? Who ends up earning? Uh, and she touches on something really, really uh, fundamentally important here. That actually, it's not really a gender pay gap at all. Really liked this point, yeah. It's got far more to do, actually. And have you have you seen? Uh, sorry, just segue a tiny bit, but it's it's relevant. Um, ex- the Explained series on Netflix. No. So Netflix have got like fifteen minute. I don't know what, how best to describe them, Fox Pops blog, vlog yeah. type um, programs. And Rachel McAdams narrates one on yeah. the gender pay gap. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it basically says it's not a gender pay gap, it's a parent pay gap. Ah, and it's got okay. everything to do with the fact that if you're a mum mm. and you go and then stay at home, say, say you've got a married couple and they're pretty much at a level, yeah. the guy's career continues to progress, For obviously a year. Yeah, the mother yeah, yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And immediately then it becomes a complete challenge. And actually, yep. I can't remember the exact percentages, but by, if you fast forward that over 15, 20 years, then there is a huge pay gap and obviously it's weighted male, female, because of the traditional family yep. makeup. Yep. Um, and that actually, that particular metric won't really change until men are encouraged to take more of an active role yeah. in um, parenthood. Yep. Now, I've seen some arguments of people going, well, maybe that's not... The, you know, it's just realities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I think it's a fair point. You I know? think it's a fair point. I, yeah. You know, why should paternity leave just be two weeks? I know. Yeah. And look, we all know that the, the newborn has to be around the mother for at least the first two to four weeks. Like that is a must. But if the mother's willing to go back to work and the father's willing to stay at home, or you know, if you've got any kind of relationship where there's two people and one person wants to return to work and one person wants to stay at home. Who gives a rat's arse if it's the male or the female? As long as the baby's being looked after. And yeah, but equally, you should have the flexibility. That yeah. If you both want to be involved yeah. without harming your career, exactly. you should. And it shouldn't be a choice of, mm. I'd like a family or I'd like a career. You yeah. should be able to have both, especially with the way that now technology enables people to work more remotely. Yeah, and especially you know in the age that we're living in. Yeah. Flexible working is a buzzword for so many organisations, but... Uh, the, uh, the stuff I've heard and seen they're not flexible working mm. they're just not and I love the practical solution that they're bringing here around um, you know why are they not progressing we have our own natural biases better uh, looking younger versions of ourselves can I just say does that not sound familiar to you when you were looking for a co-host of Tech Talks you you used your unconscious bias to find a younger better looking version of yourself vis-a-vis that's me yeah, yeah I'm tempting me to edit that out <laughs> But I love the fact that they talk about geographical challenges in a big organisation. Ah, so yeah. this idea that uh, it helps them see people out of their environment. If, if you know, person X is coming to an office and you're going out on a meeting mm. and you get an alert mm. and then the platform helps 
your uh, assistant or whatever or helps your diary to coordinate that so that you can take that person yep. from outside of your line management from outside of your normal sphere yep. and help them there's something practical that helps yeah. you develop and mentor other people that maybe aren't exactly the same mold as you. I mean, I, I, I can speak for myself and I'm sure to a certain degree yourself, we all get frustrated with barriers around visibility, you know? Yeah, of course. Especially in, in, in roles that we do, you know, content and, and for myself, bids. You want visibility from your senior stakeholders all the time because yeah. you want to be reflecting what their, their message is. But, I mean, and to have a notification around visibility, you know, you get the ping in the pocket or whatever she called it, it's great. You know, you've got, yeah, visibility is huge for me. Absolutely. Uh, but look, I, I think the key message here as well um, is that companies have to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Revenues, consumer fallout, mm -hmm. me too, so societal pressure. Yep. There is consumer pushback. As Haley says, they will vote with their dollars. <laughs> and as we've seen, and we're going to talk about regulation in a bit, the only effective way of really regulating, mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately big tech has proven incompetent in regulating itself, and people have suspicion about um, governmental ability to do so yep. is going to be if users have more of a seat at the table. Yeah, um, we've been saying that for such a long time now. We can we? say yeah. it on every podcast. Yeah, we've damn been it. saying that for such we a are, long time. We, I am a massive fan of what tech can do for society, mm. but if it's if it's ever uh, all invasive in our lives. Then we do need more of a say. Absolutely, you want you want you want your representation at board level. Yeah. Anyway, look, uh, Haley, we thought you were a fantastic guest. Thank mm. you for coming onto the show. Uh, we are now going to a quick advert break, but please stick with us. We're going to be talking about Google Plus. Jack, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but just imagine you're running a business, okay? <laughs> And you need to grow that business. And talent, as you know, costs a lot, mm. not to mention it being hard to find. Mm. If you could hire a software engineer for your business that probably has a terrible product if your track record is anything to go by, <laughs> but it's trained specifically to your business needs for just around 24,000, would you? Dave, that sounds like a bargain, and I think I would. I'm slightly insulted that you can't picture me running a business. <laughs> I know, it's such a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, well, you'd be in luck because there is a new program that can deliver highly skilled developers, um, way under the usual cost quota by recruiters. Mm. So why don't you prove me that you do have a little bit of business savvy acumen there and get in touch? Do you know what? I'm going to, if not just to prove you wrong, but who do I drop a line to, Dave? How do I get in touch? Easy, you simply email future-skills-program at harveynash.com. Future-skills-program at harveynash.com. Can they find me a new podcast co-host to replace you? Shut up, please. Welcome back to Tech Talks. It is time for the news. And today, as we've suggested, Google to shut down Google Plus after failing to disclose user data breach. This article is that we're referencing directly is from The Guardian. Julia Carey Wong and Olivia Solon in San Francisco are reporting. But look, this has probably been reported. Well, it has been reported. It should be everywhere by everywhere, now, won't yeah, it? Yeah, multiple hours. I mean, it came to me at half past seven in the morning via our Tech Talks chat saying, oh my God, have you seen this? By yourself. So I imagine a lot of people will be sharing this and worrying. Let me 
first of all say I'm actually uh, a fan of Google. Many, of pe- many people are a fan of Apple. Um, I'm a fan of Google. I have an Android phone. I use Google Play. I use... Um, I share a lot of information using Drive. You've got a Google Plus account. <laughs> I, I probably do. You know, I set one up four or five years ago thinking, if Google are getting involved in this, then it's going to be big. That was my thinking. You know, if Google are doing their own social media yep. area, it's probably going to usurp the likes of, you know, whatever was around back in the day, Bebo and MySpace, which it did, but be alongside Facebook and, you know, maybe even Twitter. My problem here, though, is that it's a business that I like the products of yep but it's fundamentally worrying the lack of transparency and honesty Mm. on their part and if we're talking about the only way to make a technology giant listen is by people switching off their services yep I don't want to have to do that, but it would be the kind of action that I would go, all right, fine. And That's you voting with your dollar in a roundabout way, isn't it? Exactly. And it might not be you know, you might go, well, who cares if one person starts switching mm. off? But there seems to be a growing ground for other people who are stopping to u- using things like Amazon yeah. in this country because they don't pay the taxes. Yeah. And if they're not putting into the pot in the same way, then, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I would love an en masse walkout against a tech giant for us all to turn off and switch off. And Well, but did, you, did you use Uber yesterday? Did I use Uber yesterday? No. So there was the Uber strike. Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't use it. From, yes. <laughs> so I was at a concert last night. Um, Who's he? Uh, no, it was, a, it was a classical concert. My oh, brother-in-law is a nice. flautist who was playing. Uh, so we went to support. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Woo! Exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, well, that's what Hayley did. Um, but at the end of that concert, we're a bit tired. Hayley turns to me and goes, should we get an Uber home? And I said, no. Oh. Because there's an Uber strike going on and they're trying to unionise and the gig economy with all of the positives it brings does have some challenges yeah and whilst there are ubers on the street let's support that they've said please don't cross the the digital picket line so let's not okay fair enough and again that's how's it home got the tube and then got um, a black cab from richmond boo why boo i've got i've got issues with black cabs okay fine well that's for another time (laughs) but look, look coming back to google plus um, so if you don't know about the story that's passed you by, I don't know how it would have done, but a bug in the API for Google Plus has, had been allowing third-party app developers to access the data, not just of users who had granted permission, but of their friends. Wow. Yeah. Um, Google policy and legal, and this is where I kind of got a bit narky over text this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google policy and legal officials wrote a memo obtained by the, I think it's the Wall Street, it says the journal, I think it's the Wall Street Journal. Mm. Um, it Almost guarantees Sundar will testify before Congress. That's a quote, the memo said, referring to the company's CEO, Sundar Pichai. Ala Zuckerberg, two, yeah. three months ago, yeah. The disclosure would also invite, again, a direct quotation, immediate regulatory interest. Well, of course, and so it should. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they know that. <laughs> but they don't have carte blanche just because they're so big yeah, yeah, to avoid yeah, yeah, scrutiny. Yeah, if yeah. you screw up, data is their currency. If you were looking Absolutely. at, you know, Google is nothing like many of these companies without our data, my mm. data, your mm-hmm, data. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they're misusing that data, if I went and gave my money to a bank yep. and the bank went and lost it, yep. I wouldn't use that bank. Absolutely. And 
this is kind of a Look, similar scenario. You're not going to start Bing searching, though, are you? That's the problem. Well, no. But no, I totally, totally get what you're saying. But and I can stop buying movies on Google Plus. On you Google, can, yeah, on Google yeah. Play. You can see subscription with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't use Google Music, and I did at one point think oh, about it. Awful. But am I going to now? Probably not. No. I mean, what's worrying that? I mean, little things. There's anyway. data leaks coming out like left and right. Um, you know, it's like a whack-a-mole at the moment. One comes up, you go over, squash that, another one comes up. Yeah. But regards to them getting hold of your, you know, your your network's data almost as well as your own, that like that goes above and beyond legality. That's yeah. Now, now their defence, they basically said um, we found no evidence that any developer was aware of this bug. Well, if you found the bug, who cares? Yeah. Or abusing the API. Um, we found no evidence that any profile data was misused. Again, look... Is this yet as well? No evidence yet that this data well, has been used? Well, I mean, used, they, you know, they, at some point they had a, they had a, they had a leak and didn't realise. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, and this is, this is Ben Smith, the Vice President of Engineering, who's written that. It doesn't really matter. You can't go, mm, well, i got, got away with that, lads. And I, Nothing happened. Yeah. 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 Um, and in terms of the, 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 the going, ongoing action... Um, Jeff Hauser, who's from the Centre uh, for Economic and Policy Research, said um, monopolistic internet platforms like Google and Facebook are probably too big to secure and are certainly too big to trust blindly. Yes, in the interim, since we cannot trust that we know much or even most of what ought to concern the public, the FTC should install public-minded privacy monitors into the firms as an element of accountability. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the initial statement there is not good enough. I don't expect anyone of that position to say they're too big to regulate, they're too big to trust. Do something about it then. I mean, which he goes on to say, like a, well, you know, a black what, what, box what he there or whatever. Is, is that the, the uh, US Federal Trade Commission should move towards breaking these platforms up. Now, I don't, I don't agree with that. <sighs> what does that mean? They breaking platforms up. Services yeah. that people need, buy and, need. in the digital yeah. in the digital world. Yeah. Like, I need mm. file sharing to get my job done yep. because we're not all sitting in the same office and we're dealing with audio. And you know what? I need to be able to send it to someone in a way that is effective. And mm -hmm. uh, Drive is a really good way of doing mm -hmm. that. We, mm -hmm. we need people to provide uh, services. I don't want to sign into 20 different accounts with 20 no. different companies. No. Uh, so if I can get Google Mail and Drive and Photos and whatever else from one company. Well, ease of access to whatever else yeah, I do that. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but absolutely, we obviously can't trust them blindly. And there needs to be some kind of digital off-com style Digital body. task force, if you will, to go that in and... lame. No, what? When does task force ever sound lame? DTA, the digital task force, are coming down with their US... AK USB pens or whatever. But, no, but there's so, there has to be something that gives users an effective voice. Yes, absolutely. And means of holding businesses to account. Yep. Because, let's be perfectly honest, they want to make money and if they can get away with it, they're going to get away with they it. They will take the fines as well. They will take the fines gladly. Oh, yeah. like the I fines... mean, these companies are, are effectively too big. Like People say the banks yeah. are too big to fail. These companies are too big yeah. to fail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Facebook lost the market valuation of McDonald's in a day, as we said several months ago. Yep. And has it really made a tangible difference other than they've gone, we better not put some nice adverts out? Yeah, they put some really TV shitty adverts out that was like, we didn't come here to do this. We came here. <laughs> hey, what? Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I've got this is Tech Talks, not our move to London podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, so, ooh, nice plug, subtle. Hey. hey. Uh, no. <laughs> um, there, has, there has to be some kind of 
public user-minded body that yep. can that can bring it, that an Ofcom. Yeah, yeah some uh, yeah. kind of digital Ofcom. Anyway, look, Google, I like you. I don't want you to be angry with me, but guys, sort your shit out. Get your house in order. Um, be honest, because if you're not honest, yep. why are we gonna why are we gonna trust you? I always thought they were the trusting ones as well, out of your Amazons and Facebooks and so on. And you know, well, I'm sure that they are, and let's hope they remedy this. And like I said, there's been no evidence yet. At the end of the day, Jack, mm. if you ain't gonna love yourself, then how in hell are you gonna love anybody else? God. <laughs> right. One thing we haven't done for several weeks before we finish up the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't finished off huh? our technology mastermind because you went away on holiday and then it yes. just kind of went quiet. Yes. And, and Kat is still winning. Yeah, with 100%, right? We still have one right? week to go. Yeah, we yeah, still have yeah. one week to go. So listeners, if you would like to win an uh, Amazon Echo... It wasn't Amazon Echo. Was it, was it a dot or an Echo? Dave, it was been an so Echo. long. Anyway, if you would like to win that, um, please get in touch with the show and say, hey... I think I can answer questions on technology topical news in the last week. Yeah. And next Thursday, we'll put you to the test. And we'll finally finish this competition and tell you who's won. Finally. I mean, it's a, what, a six weeks competition that's lasted all summer. It's been a cliffhanger. <laughs> exactly. Listeners are waiting to hear back. Well, you're back now, so we can do it. I am um, back now. And guess what I'm back with, Dave? A tan. No, that's, well, that's gone. Uh, an extra, maybe a gut, would be a more accurate representation of what I'm back with after eating so much. But no, I'm back with... It's not Monday. I don't care if it's not Monday. Monday show was too long. You can wait till Monday. Ah! Keep that product on ice. <laughs> Listener, if, if you weren't already excited about the, the mastermind cliffhanger, you've now got a product of the week cliffhanger. Absolutely. Monday, Monday, <laughs> Monday, Monday. And final, final shout out. Um, Tech Talks will be at Web Summit in Lisbon, mm. first week of November. If you are there and you want to come and meet us and talk to us and be on the podcast... Us. Shut up, Jack. Us. You mean you. You've just been to the States. Right? <laughs> if you want to talk to the show, let us know. If you want to talk to Dave, let us know. <laughs> Have a lovely weekend. <laughs> <laughs>